Okay, uh, I was remiss. There are a few elected officials here I'd like to introduce, and I should have done that at the very beginning, and I apologize. We have Councilman Damon Fogley. Damon. Uh, County Court at Law Judge David Glickler. And am I going to miss somebody? No? Okay. All right, uh, the mayoral candidates. We have Nicole Pache, correct? Travis Mitchell, and Bill Siner. I must go ahead and start with you, Bill, if you'd like to give a three minute opening. Sure. I see a lot of faces around the room, but for those who don't, my name is Bill Siner. I've lived in Kyle for almost 15 years. My wife is a teacher at Barton Middle School. My son's an eighth grader, football player. Love watching him do that. I've lived in Kyle long enough to watch it grow from a one stoplight town to where we are today, which is thriving city. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm running for mayor because I want to take and put a stop to the outrageous spending that's going on on city council right now. When elected, I want to make it a priority to do my best to keep the city within our agreed upon budget that council just recently settled for us. It, we need to focus on what's truly important in the city. Improving the existing roads for the safety of the taxpayers who currently live here. Expanding our wastewater plant before the state shuts it down or takes it over. And making certain that our citizens are safe with enough police officers who are well equipped and well trained. We want to be reactive, not proactive. So we want to be proactive, not reactive. Let me get that one right. We don't want to, we don't want to take and have a problem where we don't have enough people here to help when we need it, whether it be law enforcement, firefighters, so on and so forth. Even though the firefighters are the ESD, they are not part of the city. Judge Smith can take care of the, the, the ESD. I also want to see if we can renegotiate the PEC franchise fee that just, that we just was awarded by the city council. We get to start paying for that in November. I see no reason why PEC wouldn't be willing to sit down at the table and renegotiate that and bring that back down. The stormwater fee that we have, $5 a month on our water bill. Now that that stormwater project is well underway, I see no reason why we can't reduce that from $5 a month to $3 a month. That's just a start of some of the things that we want to do. You can't lower the tax rate a penny or two and jack up fees for on taxpayers to make a difference. That's not being honest with the citizens. That's not being transparent with the citizens. We have a whole bunch of paper on the wall at City Hall that talks about transparency in government. We need to start practicing it. A vote for me will be a vote, <clears throat> excuse me, for mayor will keep Kyle from becoming another Austin. We don't want to be Austin. That's why we live here in Kyle. Kyle is Kyle. It's unique. It's going to grow, no doubt, but it can grow responsibly and it can grow and still maintain Kyle. I'll be here to listen to you because as some of the other candidates have said tonight, they hit the nail on the head. This is not our city and you won't be working for us. We will be working for you. So I'll be here to listen to you. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. I'm sorry I didn't introduce you as an elected official. Councilman Mitchell. Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Travis Mitchell. I serve as the District 1 Council Member at Large for the City of Kyle. I know most of you, my wife, Corey Mitchell, is here in the audience. And I have three small boys, twin six-year-olds and a three-year-old. My six-year-olds go to the Blanco Vista dual language program, so they are being raised to learn Spanish, which is something that uh, we're really proud of them and excited about. I serve on the uh, Capital Area Council of Governments in their gem General Assembly. I also serve on the Hayes CTE, the Career and Technical Education Advisory Board. I'm an active member in the Chamber of Commerce and um, uh, local church here as well, uh, Fellowship Church at Plum Creek. Uh, my wife and I attend, attend there as well. When I ran for city council a little over a year ago, I, I said a few things over and over and over to many of you as I knocked on your doors. Uh, at the time that I was campaigning, the city of Kyle had about $97, $98 million in debt. We had the highest tax rate in all of Hayes County. And the prevailing sentiment in the community was that the small businesses were not being treated equitably in the same way that a lot of the larger businesses were getting developer agreements and deals. Uh, small businesses felt like they were being um, maybe thrown under the bus or just not considered very well. 
And, and additionally, I, t- I told people that I wanted to see us uh, start to, to really focus on commercial economic development because, as has been said before, we do suffer as a city from having kind of a lopsided uh, tax base where residences are contributing far more than their fair share because we haven't been able to get some of that commercial development in our city that some of the other uh, areas around us have. And then I finally said that in terms of residential development, one of the most important things that we can do is strategize to make sure that developers pay their fair share when they come into the city. They need to solve the problems that they create, and they need to do that from an infrastructure standpoint, but also from a financial standpoint, so that the infrastructure that they're putting in is on their dollar and not on the taxpayer's dollar. That's called growth paying for itself, and I was very interested in making sure that those things happened. So since the uh, since the election, I've been very very fortunate to be a part of a couple budgets, a couple tax rates. Uh, we have passed obviously balanced budgets and have reduced our tax rate two years in a row by a total of uh, over seven and a half percent, which leads all of Hayes County in tax relief. It also leads the the five carry or not leads, but is close to uh, in the top ten percent of the five county area. We've passed uh, a meaningful small business reform, and in particular, uh, we, uh, a proposal that I worked for months on called the First Year on Us program that allows for us to actually uh, start to partner with small businesses in the exact same way that we partner with big box stores. And we have put forward multiple proposals and policies that is forcing developers to contribute upfront for the new growth uh, that they are that they are bringing, and it's 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 completely changed the way that we do it. Sorry. Thank you. Ms. Pache. All right, we're going to have to pick this thing up. All right, hi, everybody. <laughs> can you be nicer about that? It's a long day. I've worked eight hours. You've worked 20. We're, we're all tired. Hi, everybody. <laughs> okay, my name is Nicole Romero Pache. Um, yes, Pache. Uh, the CH confuses people. It's not Che. Anyways, um, I have been here living in Kyle for over nine years. I moved here because my spouse was living here, then fiance, and I was told it's so great here. It's a small town, good values, great place to raise a family. And so when we sold our starter home and picked a bigger home, we moved five minutes away. <laughs> we moved from old town Kyle into hometown Kyle. And we stayed so close, people are like, did you really move? I was like, it's bigger. (laughs) We're here because we want to be here. Um, And I'm here because I want to be here for you. Um, I currently work as a teacher. I've been doing that for 14 years. Um, I've worked here in Hayes. Right now I work in Austin. And I've always worked with the upper levels. I've done middle school, high school, science, social studies. And currently I'm doing college and careers and technology. Um, in all of these jobs, I've always given my kids all kinds of different ways to be inspired, and, and this year they called me on it. <laughs> this year they called me on it in a way that I've never anticipated. At one point I was telling them, and I was like, oh, be the change you want to see, and they're like, yeah. And then another time I was like, all right, passive complaints yield few results. You can complain to each other all day long, but unless you come to me with your complaints and help me problem solve for some solutions, ain't nothing going to change. So they started coming to me with their, their complaints. <laughs> um, I said, you can always do better. Uh, even when it seems like you're in an A place, can you still do better? And some of my A students were like, yes, we can probably do a little bit better. And at one point I said, question everything. And they said, so why aren't you running for an elected office? I was like, because um, I love you guys. <laughs> and here I am. Because <laughs> I love not just my students, but I love Kyle. And I believe that we can do better. And I believe we should question everything. And I believe that even though our mayor and our previous um, council members and everyone that's been working so hard has done a really great job, I know that we deserve better. And I'm here to do that for you. Thank you. This has a specific name on it. I'm going to hold it back. What ideas do you have to increase revenue for Kyle without raising taxes or fees? Mr. Steiner, we'll start with you on that. You have two minutes. That is a great question. Um, with any of the 
Thank you. With any of the city council positions or mayor, there's no handbook. There's no every answer we know right off the top of our head. There are lots of collaboration that can be done. There's investigation that can be done. There's looking in within our, within our own selves. Are we, are we too top heavy in all the departments? Are there, is, unfortunately, we might be, we might have too many people working on in one department of the city and may not have enough in another. The, the bottom answer is, I, I don't know. But I do know that with myself and the rest of the council members, that we will sit there and work with the city manager, with the city staff, with the city attorney, and we will find the right answers. And But most importantly, I want to hear from you. That's what we're going to be here for. Unlike the current mayor, you can't get a hold of him. You can't email him. You can't get his phone number. I will have all of that available. I will be available. I got a call at 1130 last night from a voter who wanted to ask me about some stuff that I thought about the, uh, about a bridge. And we talked for over an hour. So sleep is just a nasty habit I got into as a kid. I'm here as a public servant. We've heard that said. I'm here for you. I'll sleep when I'm dead. I'll be here for you now. So how do we increase revenue without increasing expenses to the city of Kyle? That's actually a question that I spend pretty much two-thirds of my time on city council focusing on. And I could give example after example after example of how the city of Kyle has been approaching that specific question. The most recent one would probably be the PGI development, uh, which is the truck stop that was, uh, that was proposed to go in. Uh, down here at Yarrington Road. That particular development, what we did with them is we partnered with them. So they needed to bring forward a bunch of infrastructure, right? Well, it's hotels. Uh, it's not a truck stop anymore. It's hotels. It's office space. It's sit-down restaurants. It's at our gateway. It's everything we want to do. But we have no infrastructure down south on our, uh, on our uh, interstate. We have no wastewater interceptors, and we have some significant hurdles to get over in order to make a development like that happen, which clearly will bring lots of new revenue to the city. So the way we approach that is with a developer agreement, where instead of the city of Kyle putting in $5.2 million of spine road and 3,000 uh, feet of water, 8-inch water line and 1,000 feet of 12-inch water line and sewer line, all on your dollars... We say, you guys, PGI, have to put all of that infrastructure in on your dollars, the developer's dollars, and then we will give, based on the incremental increase in value that you create for the city, we will give you a prorated return back. So now we collect 100% of the, of the property tax revenue and 50% of the sales tax revenue until they rebate, and the other 50% goes back to them to rebate for the infrastructure that they put in that we would have had to put in otherwise. 200 jobs, 300,000 square feet, all commercial development, which generates sales tax, inventory tax, creates jobs. That is how you solve the financial problems that are facing our city. That is how you increase revenue. And I can give you a lot of examples of that besides that. Thank you, Ms. Pichet. All right, guys. So we got to increase revenue. There's only a couple places we get it. Number one, property taxes. Number two, Property taxes, number three, sales tax. So where we're going to have to go is we're going to have to find a way to increase sales tax. The way we do that is, yes, we're going to have to work with developers a little bit because they bring in more businesses. When we have more businesses, we're going to have more sales tax. More people are going to stay in Kyle spending their money. Like, where do you go to go get children's clothes in town? Anybody? Where do you go? Okay, yeah, we just named two big box stores. Why don't we have more small businesses that allow for some options? Why don't we have, like, think about it some more. If I want to go get a fancy dress, I'm going to have to get a little creative. I'm going to have to do some dirt roads. And there's only a couple places where I could possibly go to get those. Especially if you've got a child. There's nowhere in town to get a fancy dress for a child. I had to go to San Marcos. We got to keep our tax dollars here. And the only way to do that is, yes, we're going to have to pair a little bit with developers, but we're also going to have to find ways to keep more people in town. We need to develop more of our middle and high-income jobs. The only way to do that is to find ways to bring those people here, to show them how great Kyle is, and to have the places for them to live, to have the places for them to build their businesses, and for this to become their business hub. When they do that, they build their houses, yes, but they also provide the jobs. And people have more reason to live here, play here, 
and stay here, and so do their tax dollars. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Steiner. You have a 30-second rebuttal. 30 seconds. It's a lot to kind of wrap up in there. I, I believe that we need to stop giving away the farm. We're giving away way too much. We don't have any sales tax incentives that we can give anymore. We're not getting sales tax revenue from Walmart. Um, we're not going to be getting sales tax from a lot of the areas like down in 1626 where the, this whole TERS agreement is that we keep paying for out of our general fund. The, I'm going to just refer to it as a truck stop property. I don't know what they're planning on putting out there, but we do know back when they were looking at putting on a truck. Oh, sorry. She stopped me. Okay, Mr. Mitchell, what ideas do you have for a downtown beautification and additional parking? Just him. Uh, so downtown beautification is a double-edged sword. Um, several of the things that we have uh, been pursuing as a city in relate, relation to downtown is getting some of the residential properties uh, to turn over in their due time. The turning uh, the streets from two-way to one-way has also been something that's been brought up. Uh, but generally speaking, you know, another another good idea that, that folks have had is to uh, to bring festivals to the square, uh, improve that uh, historic square area, and uh, burying the utility lines is something that we've got uh, in in our budget this year, which can can increase space. If you go to a city like Granbury, which is kind of one of the places that I look to as having a pretty incredible downtown environment, uh, they have at about a ten block radius. So the city of Kyle is working off a very limited footprint for creating true downtown revitalization. So there's no quick answer for our downtown, but I think the city has shown a, a commitment to work incrementally as property owners get ready to, to turn, uh, to turn over their property. We've got some investors that are down there that are willing and that are able. The Howry building is a, is a good example of that where we've got Lola pop shop and some of those other businesses that have come in. It really is a, a, a square footage problem, not so much a, a market demand problem because uh, space is very limited. It's very hard to get downtown real estate and those, those places come together. So we just have to make sure that when the opportunities come, that the city is there and willing to make those investments uh, slowly but methodically. Thank you. Mr. Merrill, for So I put my GPS on one day and I said, okay, what's the fastest way to work? And it said through downtown. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> um, this was about six months ago, and I started playing around with my GPS and really deciding what was the best way to work because I'd always come back up this way and gone around. And one of the things that we have to realize is I'm not the only one who says, oh, no, when going through downtown. When we look at beautification, yes, there are steps that are being taken. The, the moving of lines is extremely expensive, and the upkeep of those lines is also extremely expensive. But that's part of investing in a downtown. You have to make the square, yes, attractive. Yes, we have to hold festivals there, but when you do that, you, do not, only, you not only increase traffic, you increase expense. Those things have to be accounted for. And those things have to be an investment that we have to be willing to make. And we have to say our downtown is worth it. When your families come in from out of town, where are you going to take them? You're not going to take them to Walmart. You're not going to take them to Target. Where are you going to take them? And we have to decide as a community that that's where we're going to actually put some of our money in. And I'm going to tell you right now, in talking to the downtown business people, sometimes they feel neglected. They feel like we've forgotten them, that we've forgotten they exist. And it's not because the people have forgotten them. It's because if you wanted to spend a whole afternoon downtown, and not just eat, but shop, is there the opportunity right now? So what do we have to do? Yeah, we have to look at the turnover, and we have to increase incentives for the small businesses to live there, work there, stay there, and make downtown Kyle a wonderful place for our families to visit when they come not only from out of town, but that they choose, just like they choose Fredericksburg, they choose Kyle as a destination place to spend their money. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Steiner. We've addressed this a couple of times, and Travis and Nicole, I don't think they were in Kyle when we did this many years ago. We changed the parking that was downtown. We've done a, re a downtown uh, revitalization, beautification project. The question of where would you get additional parking? 
I don't know. I'd like to talk to the city planner and see if he's got any idea. Because when I drive down through there, we're not going to knock down historical buildings because that's going to really upset somebody to take and put down some asphalt. Um, so we're really limited on what we can do downtown. There's going to have to be some expansion within Kyle. I'm not saying that we're going to go to the big box stores. I'd love to take and see some more of the small businesses expand maybe off of downtown because, again, what are we going to do over here? I saw where city council or planning and zoning, I think tomorrow night's looking at changing zoning on a, a house right across from Loyola Pop Shop. I think it's going to be another little strip mall like it's going where uh, the coffee shop and the pop and the ice cream place and everything is now, from my understanding. They're going to be limited on parking there also. You're going to have, what, 12 parking spots. Uh, we do have the little bit of parking right around the square. But uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Let's talk to the city planner and see what he's going to do. Downtown beautification, there's some other things that we need to do before we take and start worrying about putting paint on something. You know, we need, there's some, there's some uh, infrastructure issues. Right now we're at the point if we want to start doing a downtown beautification project, well, that'll be like me selling you a house with a brand new coat of paint and no plumbing in it and tell you it's a good place to live. You don't need anything to do, but just move in and enjoy your, enjoy yourself. There's lots of room for expansion in Kyle. We're going to, and, and together we're going to have to do it. It's not going to be the mayor and the six other city council members who's going to do that decision without your input or they shouldn't be doing it without your input because we're transparency in government right you have 30 seconds On and on, honestly, about downtown revitalization, it's a very near and dear subject to me. You know, we've I've probably sat in maybe six or eight different meetings with various vested uh, um, parties. Uh, I know uh, probably 95 percent of the business owners in the downtown area. They're really happy as a general rule with uh, the environment in our downtown area. I eat lunch downtown weekly uh milt's barbecue texas pie company centerfield uh, get, you know we just it just the list goes on and on and we are making headway in the downtown uh but we do need to be careful about how we approach that because there are a lot of different projects and a lot of competing interests uh those homeowners that are there miss uh, romero Pache. What are your views regarding a transportation system in Kyle? All right, so transportation, there's a couple of different ways you can head with that. You can talk about infrastructure. Do we have the infrastructure in place to support the transportation of people that we have already living here? Are we building up the infrastructure at the rate that is going to be required to be able to sustain long-term sustainable growth? And then the last part is, what are we doing for our people that are already living here that may be in a position where they cannot actually get to the places where they need to get to? And maybe a revisiting of the sidewalk rules and looking at what it is that we need to do to, to help that out. Um, when you go and look down the streets, can you actually get through? When you go and you look, I don't know how many of y'all have traveled to some of our outskirts, but some of those roads are really, really rough. There is some dirt roads that our people have to get through. And when the city of Kyle purchased SUVs for our police department, it was a necessary purchase. People are like, why are they getting these big old SUVs? You know, oh my gosh, the expense. And then they saw the roads that these SUVs have to traverse to be able to service our, our residents. And that's a problem. Not only do we have to deal with all of the infrastructure roads, sidewalks, we also have to deal with how do we get our people who are maybe limited mobility, things like that, to the places that they need to get to within Kyle. There is a lot of opportunity for shopping here for those people, but do they have a way to get there that is um, inexpensive enough, that is sustainable, that is supported by the tax base? And those kinds of questions are not easy to answer, and they're not going to be answered in three minutes. Thank you, Mr. Steiner. Years ago, we had public transportation, and city council did away with it. They didn't like the fact that uh, the people who were using our, city, our public transportation was going, taking their business to San Marcos to go to the library or go to Walmart. Uh, we didn't have a very big library. We didn't have a Walmart. There was lots of things here that they could not do. So council, for whatever reason, decided to take and get rid of it. 
There are some answers out there. Which one's the right one? I don't know yet because, again, I'm going to be but one vote, and we've got the rest of the city council. But there's some Campo stuff out there. There's some Capcog stuff out there. I see no reason why we can't be working with our neighbors in San Marcos and Buda and, and, and tying something together to where we've got a public transportation system where it's not only just for senior citizens. It's for anybody. If you don't want to take and drive, if it's a high pollution day and you want to take public transportation that needs to be something that's available to you right here right now not something that you you just can't do anything about so my answer in short is we need to reinvestigate what we had before and we'll see what we can do to bring it back because we've got a lot of people a lot more people now that will utilize it than what we had before thank you thank you mr mitchell uh mr romero did you answer that no mr mr i'm sorry so the city of Kyle has had three different versions of a public transportation program over the last 15 or so years. We originally tried a trolley system uh, that failed miserably. Then we started working with carts. Uh, the budgeted amount that we needed to spend with carts was about $80,000 uh, annually. And uh, the statistics that as they were coming back after a few years of working with that carts program uh, was that the, the average ride uh, was costing us, you know, over $100 uh, per person. And because of the the, the, the minutiae of bureaucracy, it just wasn't, we weren't able to get that rate down. And so, um, you know, fiscally, it made, it made no, no sense to continue to, to basically buy everyone a plane ride. You know, it just, it just did not make sense for us to do that. So we shut it down. We brought another program up trying to solve the transportation problem, which was a ride sharing program, subsidizing, or not ride sharing, but a, a subsidizing a taxi cab service here in, in Kyle and offering rates for a very, very small amount. That program went forward for, uh, for a, I believe one fiscal year and ended up costing, uh, a little bit more, uh, headache and grief than what we were prepared to. We had some litigation issues with, with regards to, to that program. And so we ended up cutting it. Bottom line for me, uh, and the takeaway that I have is, uh, I'm not sure that the city of Kyle with its demographics needs to be in the public transportation program as a bureaucracy uh, controlling the program. Rather, I have had and been actively working with a multiple uh, uh, faith-based organizations, churches, uh, to try to bring together an opportunity for the city of Kyle to partner with a new nonprofit that can cut that red tape, that can be much more uh, engaged with the, with the citizens and not just elderly or disabled, uh, but can really bring uh, to bear uh, the weight of a nonprofit outside of the government. And, this, and the government can help and assist with that. There's a lot of buy-in. I just need time to make something like that happen. Uh, we'll have those kind of conversations down the road, and we'll see what happens. Thank you, Mr. Romero Pache. You have 30 seconds. All right, Buda has a transportation program. They've managed to finance it. They're smaller than we are, and they've made it work. Austin has transportation programs. San Marcos has transportation programs. Every city that I've ever been to has had some transportation program, and Kyle did too when I moved here, and now it does not. So it's not just a question of feasibility. It's a question of are we determined to find a way to make sure that all of our residents can get where they need to, when they need to, as they need to, and can we be fiscally responsible about it? That's the bottom line. Okay, Mr. Steiner, what is your position on the Nance Bridge? Why do we have to pay for what is basically a private bridge? That's another very good question, and I spoke out on that at the last city council meeting. My position on the Nance Bridge is we don't need it. It's going to be something that we're trying to take and we're supposed to pay for a bridge on private property that we're going to annex or we have annexed, and there's just too many unknowns out there. This thing somehow ended up on, on uh, Campo's agenda, uh, Commissioner Connolly kicked it back because Kyle had not voted on it. Kyle had not heard about it. I know council says that, that all this happened. I've yet to see any of the, of the evidence that that actually did occur. I hear from people when I'm out block walking, they're like, why are we going to be paying for this bridge? What's it going to do? And why are we wanting to do it now? And it's going to sit there for 15 years before anything else happens. And that's after it's completed. 
My position on it is, is we're nowhere near ready to make a decision on that, that bridge. Like I told mayor and council the other night, you know, let's practice transparency in government. Let's sit down with the, with the, with the taxpayers and the, and the, uh, and our, our, our partners to the, in San Marcos and possibly even Buda. And let's get everybody's input on it because as I told them, we're going to be the ones paying for it long after they're gone. And I keep pointing over here to council member. Mitchell, because he's the only one here that's, that's on that. So he's, he's getting the finger point, but it's these guys that, that are giving this to us without any input from us. And there's no transparency there. So we need to bring it all the way back, start from the get go and get your input on what we're going to do. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell, two minutes. So the, uh, the old adage is the uh, lie goes halfway around the world before the truth gets its shoes on. And we have a lot of misinformation with regard to that bridge. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's kind of infuriating. I, I don't know if you've been in, in, in public service very often, but we've seen uh, a lot of misinformation come forward with regards to that bridge. It is not being paid for by the citizens of Kyle. It's being paid for through a tax increment reinvestment zone set up over that property and that property only. Well, the, the, the bridge will not go forward in terms of construction until the tax increment reinvestment zone that's in that property can support the debt service associated with that bridge. It's not coming out of your pockets. It's all being put together for a development agreement that was passed 18 months ago that was very publicly discussed, that was written about in the newspaper, and we did bring it forward in the transportation plan as per policy, as per the developer agreement in the most recent council meeting. And yes, there was an issue with regards to Campo. Uh, I spoke to Commissioner Conley about that today, in fact. And it is unfortunate they got put on the wrong, it got put on a funding docket when all we were doing was putting on their 2045 plan, which is just a notification of various projects that the city of Kyle is looking to do in the next 10 or 15 years. It is much ado about nothing. The vote to put that bridge in the transportation plan was the right vote. And anyone who would go and not vote it into the transportation plan after it's been in a developer agreement because a few people don't want to see that development happen, it's already been passed. And honestly, the, 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 Nance, uh, Bradshaw, uh, the Nance property down there is one of the most beautifully and naturally resourceful properties in the city of Kyle. It's going to bring a 10-acre uh, public park down on the Blanco. We've never had access as a city to the Blanco before. It's going to be done in a very environmentally uh, sensitive way as per the EAA regulations, the TCEQ regulations, uh, with lots of consideration for sustainability and smart development as per the developer agreement. So. I'm very excited about that bridge. It was a, it was a good, good decision. Thank you, Mr. Romero. Oh my, here we go. Okay, so if I give 30 kids an assignment, only two turn it in, then who did wrong, the kids or me? I did. That's where we're going wrong. I gave out an assignment, or the city council gave out this Nance Bridge thing, and the people are coming back and they're saying, we're confused, we don't know what's going on, we don't like it. Did the city council do wrong, or did the people do wrong? Well, I'm sorry, you get enough people coming back saying, I don't get it, then the city council has messed up somewhere. Even if it was a good idea, even if it was a great assignment, it doesn't make it any better if not enough people get it. You need to go back. You need to relook at your processes and you need to make sure that you actually follow through with them. And if you realize that it's a mistake in, in your instructions, then you fix the instructions. If you realize that it's a mistake in the delivery, re-deliver it. If you realize that maybe you didn't cover a subject as well as you thought you did, you go back and you reteach. That's what you do. And that's what needs to happen here. It is an approved bridge. Sorry, it's going to happen. Sucks to be us. But that's where we are. Now, does it have to happen today? No. Does it have to happen tomorrow? No. We can go back and we can make sure that when we go to build this, that we are, in fact, making sure that the bulk of the financing does come from them, not us. We can make sure that we do it in an environmentally responsible way. We can make sure that um, as we are looking at this tax increment, here's the thing. Every year, my tax rates are going to change. I'm going to be paying more property taxes, but when you go and freeze a property tax, that means that at that point, okay, so $500,000 is worth $500,000 today. It'll be worth $500,000 tomorrow. That's what happens when you freeze it. So no, we're not going to gain more tax revenue out of that property once it's been frozen. That's what's going to happen. And all that difference, all that difference we, the taxpayers, are going to lose out on. True, it'll be used to build a bridge on private property. Thank you. 
Thank you. Mr. Senator, you have 30 seconds. The one thing that Councilmember Mitchell didn't mention is we did the exact same uh, financing thing for 1626. Those of you who remember when it didn't go all the way through. You know, and the way that we can get that money back is from res from commercial property, commercial business that goes in and pays the sales taxes. Every year we take the money out of our general fund and make that payment. It's going to be the exact same thing that's going to happen over here with this bridge at the Nance, uh, on the Nance Bradshaw Bridge. She's holding my stop sign up. Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Okay, Mr. Mitchell. What will you do if you find out certain members of the council took money from the truck stop developers? Yes. What's the question? <laughs> what will you do if you find out certain members of the council took money from the truck stop developers? Took money? Campaign contribution or? Welcome to read it. Uh, well, that's, honestly, I have no idea how to answer that question. I've taken no money from the truck stop developers. You know, I voted on a developer agreement with them. Um, you know, so if I find out that they took a legal campaign contribution in the past, I guess, you know, I'd maybe ask them about it. So I, I honestly, I have no, no way of answering. If somebody does something illegal, there's no tolerance for corruption. We get that question a lot. I have no tolerance for corruption. I have no tolerance for bribery, no tolerance for anything that is unethical. Now, I've striven as a council member uh, and as a candidate to be above reproach in the way that I approach my, uh, uh, my uh, time and involvement on the city council. And that includes uh, being above board and talking to uh, whenever there's a sticky situation, going to the city attorney, asking for opinions uh, from the city attorney, and then publishing those opinions for the public to see making posts, being transparent with how those things are going on. Um, you know, we, we, we live in a strange world where developers perhaps do want to try and do things. Um, I've had developers ask me for money or to give offer to give me money in the past. Uh, depending on the situation, I may or may not take it. If it's a campaign contribution and the developer shares my perspective, they believe that I'm the best person for the city of Kyle and they understand that giving a contribution has nothing to do with how I vote, then so be it. But if I believe that there's a scintilla of truth that maybe there's some kind of string attached or something like that, I'm not going to take that money. Uh, and so that's just that's just my perspective on it. Thank you, Mr. Romero. Corruption. Okay, I used to live in Eagle Pass, Texas. Full disclosure, you don't know where that is, go south, keep going south, and when you reach Mexico, you're either in Laredo or Eagle Pass. Um, and somewhere between there is a little town called Crystal City. I used to take college classes there um, when I was a senior. Both of those towns have had serious corruption things, like half the city was rounded up and, and by FBI was like arresting city council members. It's, it's a thing. It really is. I hope it's not a thing here. And if I find out it is, then there's going to be some talking to an attorney because <laughs> that ain't going to fly here. That's the real thing. And I haven't accepted zero campaign contributions at this point, by the way. Zero. Zero. I don't own a business. There's no way anyone can influence me. They can't promise me that they're going to, you know, purchase my services. Oh, what? You're going to purchase my services. I work for a public school. <laughs> There's nothing that anyone can ever do to put me in a bad position. You can look at your financial records of your politicians. You can see what it is that they're getting their money from. And at the end of the day, if there is a corruption of some sort, then the legal authorities need to be the ones to take care of it before the FBI breaks down the doors of City Hall. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Steiner. That there's potentially some of that that's gone on with particular council members. I have no proof of it. Um, I think I kind of echo with what they're saying that if we did know that there was something that was there, that it would definitely be put to a stop immediately. Um, I'm not even so sure that I would take and even utilize the city attorney to take and, and use questions for something I've liked that. I think I would probably get an outside, an outsource attorney to where, where, where there's absolutely no doubt that we're, that, that there's no one who's covering anything up, an, an outside attorney who's gotten, Nothing to gain from sitting there saying, no, there's no corruption or there was no, no one on the take if there indeed there was. And if there was someone on there, then, you know, we have an ethics 
to, uh, ethics committee. Uh, uh, and I know there's some vacancies on that that they're, that they're trying to be filled. And from above that, then we, you know, then we've got Texas Rangers, FBI. We've got people to take and investigate this stuff and actually find out if it, if it is indeed happening. And if it is, then they need to be, they need to be uh, prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. There is no room for it. If we're going to talk about transparency in government, let's do transparency in government. A lot of opportunities, I think, where some of this could happen is maybe there's way too much going on in executive session or closed session or people talking behind the doors where they shouldn't be, where it should be out in the open where the taxpayers can hear what's being said and can weigh in on the weigh in themselves on what's being, being said or done. I... As mayor, I will have absolutely zero tolerance for anybody doing anything that is against the law, taking money. I'm not even sure that it's a good idea for a council member to sit there and take a campaign contribution, uh, whether that council member believes or mayor believes that it's got strings attached to it or not. There's just, there's just way too many, way too many unknowns and too much of a gray area right there from my comfort level. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. You have 30 seconds. This is for Ms. Romero Pache. Pache, excuse me. What will you do with the corruption going on at the city hall with the staff? With staff. Let me reread that, please. What will you do with the corruption going on at city hall with staff? All right. So the first thing that we have to talk about when, you know, we've already spent three minutes talking a little bit about it, but how do we decrease corruption? We increase transparency. That's it. Like, if there is any question as to who's getting what money or where from, then we need to answer it. And we need to make it in an easy-to-find and access way for any general member of the public to find. Like, literally, if you don't know who's accepting contributions for whom or who's making money off whom, if whose sister owns what and is getting money because of a deal that's been made, then we need to find ways to make sure that those questions are answered. If there is any kind of impropriety, it needs to be investigated to the fullest extent before fingers are pointed, before it gets to the point of an actual legal anything. Because because reputations are at stake. What if you just don't like that person? You're like, well, they cheated. Okay, well, let's not go and get public about it, but we do need to make sure that an investigation is underway to make sure that we take care of cheating. Um, you give a test. You make sure that you can actually answer the questions on the test when they're given a second way or in a different way. You go and find different ways for people to feel confident in their city council, to feel confident in the mayor's office and confident within all of the employees that work for you. They can work for you. That they work for you, not for a developer, not for anybody else, but they actually have your interests at heart. And the only way to do that is to make sure we have the policies and procedures in place for transparency for everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Steiner. Like Nicole said, we each kind of spent three minutes kind of talking on that subject on the previous question. But that was more so, I think, getting towards council members. For staff, that are to, there should not be a staff member, city manager, anyone who should be having any meetings with any developers or anything that it's not well, well attended and even recorded. There's no reason why if they're in the upstairs conference room and that door is closed, it needs to be recorded and it needs to take and be uh, easily accessed on the internet to sit there and see that council member so-and-so and mayor so-and-so talked with such-and-such and the meeting lasted this long, and here it is in its entirety. There's way too much opportunity for things to be slid under the table, written on a piece of paper, slid across the table, or anything. I'm not saying that it's actually going on. I'm just saying that I can see where it potentially could be. Again, I'm, you're going you're gonna to hear me go back to saying a lot about transparency because we used to be a town that was full of transparency, in my opinion. And over the last three years, it's gone away to zero. I don't believe that we have transparency in any, in any level of our city government at this time. And that's what needs to be turned around, stopped today or November 8th, since we can't do it today. But that's what's got to be done. We've got to get it over with. We've got to get, we've got to get a handle on everything and make it to where it's your money. It's not ours. It's not the city council's. It's not the mayor's. It's your money. You have the opportunity. You have the right and the responsibility to know what's going on with it. Thank you. Mr. Mitchell. 
Well, the, the, the procedural answer to your question is corruption at a staff level. Uh, city council has uh, one person that as a body, they have collective uh, rights to dictate to, and that's the city manager. Uh, beyond that, city council members and city council can't vote to fire the, uh, you know, a police officer or a public's work, uh, you know, employee. That's not the way that government works. What we do is we find, secure, and empower a uh, city manager that we believe is going to implement the policies and procedures within um, the city's uh, documents in terms of how he or she leads the city. So that's really the only answer for what a mayor would have to do in terms of corruption is make sure that the city manager that they hire collectively as a body is being held to account and is above board. That That's it. That's all there is to it. Uh, Personally, I believe that uh, city manager Scott Sellers uh, is among the most ethical people that I have ever met. Um, he is honest. He's hardworking. He's intelligent. Uh, he, you know, it's 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 a challenging job to be the city manager to to deal with a seventy five million dollar budget and two hundred and fifty employees uh, and obviously forty thousand uh, customers. You know, however you want to say it, uh, residents that live in the in the city. But in terms of ethics and in terms of um, the way that that our city manager goes about his business. Uh, I'm honored to know him. Uh, I'm very happy that he is here and serving us. Um, he does not have corruption. He is a very good person. Thank you, Mr. Rao. The mayor, you have 30 seconds. It's okay. All right. Um, I don't think that question actually addressed our city manager corruption. It addressed the employees. And correct, yeah, he is one of the employees of the city. He works for you, and he works for the city council, and he works for the mayor. But the average lifespan on one is very, very short because it is a very demanding job. And if, he, if we find that you know, people are coming to us, because we're your voice, if, if you come to us and you say, we have a concern, then we need to be able to talk to him and say, hey, there's a concern, what procedures need to be modified, what procedures need to be changed to make sure that the transparency is abundant. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll do one last question and then give a closing. Okay, what is your vision for Kyle? Is that to me? Yes. Okay. My vision for Kyle is, is a simple answer, so this is a great last question, Judge. Thank you. I don't want to see Kyle become Austin. I want to see Kyle remain Kyle. Yes, we're going to have growth. I want to see responsible growth along with that. But we can, we can maintain our small town feel. We've got, you, see, you see, there's lots of communities around here that they, they, they maintain their identity even while they're growing, but they don't become Austin. I believe that there are those in, in, in our government right now that are trying to drive Kyle to be Austin. And that's not who we are. That's not what we are. And I don't think that's why any of us moved here. If we wanted to be in Austin, we'd be there. So my vision for Kyle is really not what is my vision, but what your vision. What do you want to see us bring for you? What do you want to see us bring back for you? Someone mentioned fair on the square, the barbecue. I hear about that when I'm out block walking. Those things were a lot of fun. We did a lot of those things and, and everybody enjoyed it. it. Didn't matter what side of the political aisle you were on or whether council members and mayor were getting along at that time. Everybody got together and they had a good time because this this is Kyle. I remember one of the first Founder Days parades I ever went to, I heard Carrie Banowick sit there and say, Kyle, Texas is the jackass capital of the world. Well, whether it is or not, it's kind of funny. Austin can't say that, but we can. So are we a bunch of jackasses? I don't know, but I know we had a good time, and I would like to take and see things like that come back to Kyle. So there's a whole lot that, that we can do, but basically our voice has to be just an extension of your voice. So we have to be, make ourselves available to you to find out what you want for Kyle. Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. When I, uh, when I was running for city council, I wrote a 40-page document called A Vision for Kyle. Uh, some of the people that, uh, that, I, that I spoke with about it told me I was crazy to write such a document. It was detailed, talking about shedding the stigma that we are uh, simply a bedroom community that only allows for people to sleep here at night and they drive to Austin, that's where they do their community, or they go to San Marcos or New Braunfels and that's where they do their community. Community is something that's very elusive and it's hard to nail down or define. We have been, as a council, and as, as my, uh, speaking for myself, spending countless hours sitting down, brainstorming, and trying to come up with very specific items 
items that we can put forward that the city uh, that the citizens can have feedback on uh, in terms of how we develop as a city in terms of events, uh, but also in terms of our strategic growth, because where we are now is not where we're going. And one of the things that I have constantly tried to, to make myself uh, um, uh, adhere to is consistency and application of the way that we grow in terms of how we develop uh, from a residential standpoint, in terms of how we develop uh, from a, a commercial and a business standpoint, and specifically in terms of cultural development, aesthetic development, in terms of how our, uh, our style guide and how our, our homes are allowed to be built, um, and from a financial standpoint in, in terms of debt, and are we becoming stronger uh, as a city? And one of the things that I'm most proud of is the fact that uh, when I started campaigning for city council, we had uh, about 95 or $97 million in debt. Uh, we have been a cash-only city since the day I took office, and we now have about $85 million in debt, while the rest of Hayes County, San Marcos, Buda, Hayes CISD, um, and, uh, and Hayes County have passed about a half a billion dollars in, in new debt. It's something I'm very proud of. So that's the way I want to see us continue to, to progress. Thank you, Ms. Romero. All right, so when I first was enticed to move to Kyle, <laughs> I was told that it was a warm place, it was a welcoming place, everyone here was so friendly, and everyone here was just wanted to get to know you, and that our schools were so wonderful, and all of these like sunshines and rainbows. Yeah, lots of sunshines and rainbows. Um, we all chose here. We chose here because we like here. We don't want to be in Bastrop. We don't want to be in Wimberley. We don't want to be in Luling. We don't want to be in Round Rock. We want to be here. What is it about here that makes this home? And I think that once you can define that for yourself and you can relate that to your council members and you can find a council member that says, home is here and this is what we want, what do we want? We want festivals. We want fun. We don't want the commute. We want more people able to live, work, play, and call Kyle not just home for the night, but home for all day. That's one of the things we all want. Um, what else do we want? Yeah, we've reduced our debt. But if you do the math, 35,000 residents, $80 million in debt. It's about between two and $3,000 for every man, woman, child, infant, in the city of Kyle. We can do better, and we need to do better, and we will do better, and that's why I'm here, because I believe in us. I believe that we're more strong together. I believe that we're more strong when we work together as a community, and I believe that together we can find a vision for Kyle that is better than it was yesterday, and that vision includes us here in Kyle, spending our money making friends, and lasting relationships. Thank you. Thank you. You have a 30-second rebuttal. Okay, okay. Ms. romero Pache, would you like to give your three-minute closing, please? Back up. <laughs> I have been up here talking about a lot of different things that are very near and dear to me. The biggest thing I think that you can come away with from me is that I'm really big into fairness. If it isn't fair, if it isn't right, if it isn't just, I want to fix it. Now, fairness by itself is a really great descriptor, but it also can be an acronym. Fiscal responsibility. How can we spend our money wisely? You work so hard for money. Every single day, we're in this rat race to earn money, and we come home, and we make this rat race to make sure that our families are taken care of, and then we get up the next day, and we do it again. And a portion of that money goes to taxes. What are we doing with it? Can we do better? Accountability. Do you feel like your, your city council, do you feel like your mayor is being held accountable? Even if they're trying their very best, if you don't feel that that's really what's going on, then we can do better. Integrity. Do you trust your politicians? I'm sorry to say that the most of us don't trust politicians. And unfortunately, I've always been one of them. <laughs> Didn't trust politicians further than I could see them, and I can't see without glasses, y'all. <laughs> um, if we can't trust our politicians, then rather than say we can't trust our politicians, what can we do to enable our politicians to be more trustworthy? How can we, your representatives, earn your trust? That's a big question, and I aim to answer it. And respect. 
respect for our environment, respect for our resources, respect for our people, respect for all of the things that make Kyle wonderful and great. What does that look like? What does that feel like when you feel like you are respected in your community, that your voice is respected by your representatives? How would that feel to know that you are respected by the people that represent you? And they're here for you, the individual, not just you, your vote, not just your vote on election day, but every single day of the year that when you see them out and about in the community, you can say, you know, I have this question. And you can go to them, and they're going to give it to you, and they're going to respond to you, and you're going to feel good that you went and you took the time out of your day, out of your luxury time, out of your resting time, to speak to that person. I want to be that person that you all come to. I want you to know I work, I play, I live here. And I want you to take this really incredible journey with me. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Mitchell. Thank you all for coming out tonight. I know there's a lot of things that you could do on a Monday evening other than sit in here and listen to row after row after row of candidates field questions about corruption or whatever. So uh, appreciate you all very much coming out. And uh, thank you for, um, uh, for Denise and for Judge Smith and obviously for Joshua for live streaming this and putting in all the extra work. Uh, it's really appreciated by somebody like me and, and the rest of us also who, who, are, who are honest, you know, honestly trying very hard to make a difference in the community. Uh, it's tough. You know, uh, running for city council and being on city council is a hard job. You get a lot of pushback. And, uh, and Mr. Bazzano, you said you were hoping to make everyone happy on council. Well, good luck. It's hard, you know, when you have people coming in that are split, that are divided on issues, that don't know how, uh, whether or not, you know, you, you, that you can be trusted, that have heard 10 different Facebook comments, none of them true, and are finally getting to you and you get an opportunity to contribute maybe what is actually true and they don't know if they can even believe you or not. It's tough being on city council. And I've, uh, I believe uh, that increasing the quality of life among the citizens that live here is the highest mandate that I could have. And it's the highest honor that I could have as your mayor to represent you, to lead, to listen, to respond to you guys. Um, it's great. Uh, it's a great honor for me. And, and, and I, I just I believe that the future of Kyle is bright. At the end of the day, I'm an optimist, and that's where when I sit down, meeting after meeting, day after day, talking to city managers and developers and, um, and various constituents with concerns, my goal is always to drive them to something better, to find a way to get their problems resolved or to make uh, smart decisions so that their problems can be solved long term or that the city's problems can be solved long term. There were hundreds of city council members before us, right, Damon? Hundreds, right? There's been thousands and thousands of decisions that have led us to this moment where we are right now. And it would be my honor to, to, to join with you and to help lead us into this next very incredible season of growth and opportunity where we have exciting project after exciting project, where we're getting great opportunities to reduce our debts, to increase the quality of life, to bring new business, to create opportunities for employment. Um, it's exciting. I'm just, I'm very, I'm very happy to be here. I'm very thankful for your support. Um, and I, Marco did ask me now that I've already called you out, I want him to call you out again because he did remind me that everyone here has uh, yard signs. If there's anyone that you're uh, particularly um, uh, have been inspired by, they would be very honored for you to pick up one of their, their yard signs on the way back. So thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Mr. Steiner. I want to start out with echoing with what the other two candidates have said. I do thank you very much for giving up your valuable time to come and listen to us talk tonight. We very much appreciate the opportunity to be able to share our ideas, our visions, and our thoughts, and our opinion. And most everybody's opinions most of the time stink, so thanks for putting up with ours. Um, I do want to close out on sitting there saying that I see what we're doing. This is a commitment. There's a time that you dedicate. You say, yes, I'm going to do this. I personally do not believe that it's a great idea to come on city council, be here 14 months, resign to run for mayor. I don't believe that. I believe if we're going to sit there, if you're going to make the commitment, whether it be for a single member district and a large district or a mayor district, you're there for the long haul. 
If you want to take, if you have aspirations for higher office, great. Finish the, com- the commitment that you have already started and then move forward. May not be convenient because you may have to spend some time off of the council or out of the state house or whatever you're going for, but there's that you use that time for, for seed planning to get you prepared for where you're headed the next, for the next goal. So I just want to sit there and, and get off of that for a moment because I, I do see this as a commitment. And as mayor, I will be here not, not just for three years. I hope to do more than that term because it's going to take more than one term to start to repair some of the stuff that's broken. I want to thank Judge Smith for giving her time again this year for doing this, for Joshua for uh, putting this on every year, and he's got better equipment this year. Thanks, man. This was awesome. And then for Michelle Christie for volunteering to be our timekeeper. I really appreciate that. Um, and I did, uh, he, he, he took my sign comments. So I'm going to use another one. Vote for me, please. You won't regret it, I promise. All right, thank you everybody for coming. Uh, we're getting out a little bit early. So anyway, as I said, voting, I, nobody mentioned when early voting starts. I think it's October 22nd, is that correct? 23rd, sorry, October 23rd. 8 to 5, October 23rd, and election day is November 8th.